Our thanks to Bill Curry Ford for presenting the Scuttlebox podcast all season long into the Super Bowl. Thank you, General Manager Sean Sullivan. It's a new year. They've got new deals at BillCurryFord.com. Right now, you'll see $14,934 in savings on a 2020 brand new F-150 XLT Super Crew. There are so many deals going on right now like that at BillCurryFord.com, home of the nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Had to let it get rocking. Had to let it get going. Welcome into the Scuttlebox. It is great to be with you. Man, oh man, let's reflect, shall we? Jeff, that's Tom. This is the Scuttlebox. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are headed to their second Super Bowl appearance in franchise history. They are the NFC champions. And they've got more than a puncher's chance to bring home a second title to Tampa, Florida. It is, uh, you know, I I can't help but start the show with less about what happened in the game against Green Bay and more about when we embarked on the Scuttlebucks, when we started the Scuttlebucks. Forgive my nostalgia for a moment. For those of you that have been with us along the way from the beginning, we really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this show. It does mean an awful lot to us. We love doing this show, and we're like you in the sense that um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are down there in Tampa Bay or St. Petersburg and surrounding areas where we grew up, and that uh, a part of us will always remain. And, you know, I'm 49 years old. Tom is 34 years old. Um, you know, for me, I, I I grew up going to Bucks games, and I remember the earliest days, and I remember the struggles, and I and Tom grew up going to games as well, and we both watched stretches in time where the Bucks were just the laughing stock of all sports franchises. I mean, really, it's it's been a a, a weird ride as a Buccaneers fan because for a franchise that was labeled or has been labeled by so many people for so many years as the sucking ears and whatever derogatory term you want to use. They've had an awful lot of great moments, you know, when you think about it all of a sudden. You know, you, you realize there are so many fans uh, of franchises who thumb their nose at Tampa Bay and believe that they're better. And you you also realize that when you sit down across from people like that now, you could say, yeah, we, we've gone to two Super Bowls since the start of the 2000s. And, you guys haven't. Your team hasn't. You can sit across from some people and you can say, we have as many Super Bowl victories as you do. We have as many Super Bowl appearances as you do. You know, and, and, and if they win it, 
and you've got two under your belt, that's a game changer. It changes everything about the perception of what the Bucks are, about what the franchise is. You know, no more is somebody going to sit across from you and, and, and if they attempt to anyhow thumb their nose at you, you can say, you, you got a couple Super Bowl wins in the last 20 years, do you? Oh, you, oh, you don't. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing ride. You've been really bad for long periods of time to the point where you're almost apathetic, and then when you're not really bad, you're the best. It's it's really remarkable to think about. It, it's been a wild. I mean, the year is completely unpredictable. Um, it was. And then I really knew 2020 was messed up when I heard we were getting Brady and then Gronk on top of it. I'm like, they're just uprooting the operation mm. and they're going to be wearing the right Buccaneers jerseys that, you know, we finally fixed after five years of wearing the alarm clocks. Speaking of which, it should be noted as we start the Scuttlebucks, my dream of donning the creamsicles is uh, is no more. Adam Schefter first reporting that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will wear their white jerseys with the pewter pants. The Kansas City Chiefs shall don their red jerseys. Makes sense. I wanted to come out in the creamsicles, Tom. Would have been nice. I know. You're not allowed to until the next football season starts. Um, Can't wait to see those suckers. Yes, and we will. Oh, you think they're going to roll those out now? You think they're going to be successful now? Oh, my God. They may change the colors of the seats in the building. They'll be so successful. You were documenting a moment ago. I want to cut right to it because we, we do have to end up talking to Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com, and I don't say that begrudgingly. I'm just saying I want to get as much in as possible here. My brother also roots for the Bucks, and we were having a debate, just as you and I were having a debate before the season began. What is the breaking point? What is the break-even point for the Bucks? And I said, well, financially, they're going to be fine. They don't get the windfall they would have had had we been able to have sellouts and all that stuff and a playoff run and all that. But but they'll make money. You know, Obviously, the gear alone has, has done quite well for them. They're changing the perception of the franchise nationally now. You've got kids everywhere who love Brady buying Buccaneers jerseys, etc. And it will carry them on into the next season which figures to be more of a normal season so they'll be fine financially they've done uh really well but i was i was more along the lines of let's talk about what is a success on the field and your thought was super bowl or bust well they're in the super bowl so i would guess that you say this is 100 percent a success it is i thought getting to the nfc championship game somewhere in there you know making the playoffs for sure originally my goal was you got to win the division we got to unseat the saints and take that over well that was bitterly disappointing that we could not do that now you avenge it by sending the saints into uh, a spiral we think now they're in salary cap hell drew Brees is done get ready for a bunch of six and ten season saints suck it tampa bay will now take over the division they are the reigning nfc's champions uh super bowl appearance this is a rousing success to put a ribbon on our game day first scuttle bucks of the year debate yeah i agree um and and you know I, I think the goal is obviously to win one, but I, I'm not going to say that this year is, is a failure if they lose to the Chiefs because because this doesn't look like the last dance. No. It looks like it only can get better for Brady in his comfort level in the offense. Um, I really love what that offensive line looks like, and you can go get a left tackle for cheaper, and maybe that frees up some cap room to keep a couple of your pieces. Or if you want to bring Smith back for one year, it's not as crazy as it seemed a month or two ago. No, he's played pretty well. Uh, the secondary looks a lot better. Um, Vita Villa has come back and fortified his importance to this team. And I know we're not looking necessarily back at the Packers game right now, but I don't think it's any coincidence that you turn in five sacks and how many other quarterback pressures in a game in which Vita Villa plays over 30% of the snaps. 
I mean, that, that's humongous. And, and now you know that you've got somebody that you can build with heading into next year. And the other question is, too, now that you have Brady coming back, uh, and I would extend him in the offseason if I were the Bucks. I'd give him a third year. If he asked for a fourth, I'd really think about it. you got to. you got to capitalize on this momentum and keep the other pieces in place. As Lita Kemper has said earlier this year and often, JPP and Ndamukong Sue might not, probably wouldn't be here if it was not for Brady coming in to be the quarterback. You know what Brady will do for you over the next couple of years as well? He'll get you good players that'll take discounts to be a part of the ride because it's his cachet along with the Bruce Arians experience, which is apparently good for the players and fun for the players, that they'll take with no state tax, maybe 10% less, 20% less. And as you're trying to fit this thing under the cap for as long as possible, that is invaluable. So that's why I think it's a, it's a success. You got to the Super Bowl. I want to win a damn Super Bowl before Brady's gone, no doubt. But you've also set yourself up for another two to three years of success beyond just 2020. You have, and again, we talk about changing perceptions of the franchise and what is possible in Tampa Bay. This is a destination now for free agents, as you're noting, and I think it remains that after Brady leaves because what's possible is now proven in the present. This isn't some you know bygone era like 2002 was thought to be. Now or, you're oh, back. Man, we there. need one or two more pieces, right. and it could be. Yeah. It's like no, you got the pieces. You got pieces. You got plenty yeah. of pieces. Well, listen, that's the reason Brady chose Tampa Bay. I mean, I mean, he had other suitors. He could have gone to Indianapolis. He could have gone to Chicago, I suppose. He could have gone a lot of places, right? But when he looked at the roster, like we all did, this was the genesis of the debate. The debate was, look, you and I would sit here and say, for all of our pro-Jameis discussions, our frustration did reside in the fact that, look, man, he has games that he loses for you. He has games that he wins for you, but there's three to four a year he just straight up loses. And that was something we both agreed on, that that can't happen if you're going to get to a Super Bowl. You can't have that volatility. Now, we also understood the upside for a guy that throws for over 5,000 yards and leads the league in passing for a year. You can't just turn your back on that for nothing. And the whole thing was you're elite at a couple of positions – Wide receiver at that time. We talked about Godwin's emerging star, what Evans is when he catches the ball. It still bothers me. Anyhow, we knew what we were defensively with Vita Villa. We knew what we had with Shaq Barrett. We talked about what we were at linebacker. Devin White, year one, we thought, okay, there, yeah, that's good. That's going to be good. So there were signs that, you know, JPP, we knew that there were a lot of pieces in place that you just needed to more consistent play at quarterback. You needed a guy who wouldn't throw you out of games. For all the fun the roller coaster was, you wanted a little bit more stability. And this is the only guy. We said this is the only guy. There was no other guy that I was like, yeah, let's go there. Not any of the other guys. Um, and there were other guys. You know, obviously, we Philip Rivers was on that list. Bridgewater, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater was on that list. And we we're like, no, no, stay with Jameis. Jameis. And it came down to Brady. And once we said you could get Brady, I'm like, if you feel like the arm is okay, yep. and he just had no weapons and it was cold and he was angry, yeah, you got to do it. It's Tom Brady. Well, good thing we did. Well, and you and you could do it at a low price. Because yeah, if Brady took 35, you couldn't have fit Gronk under the cap. Right. He knew what the hell he was doing. He knew very well, much what he was doing. He doesn't need money, yes. So, so he, yes, he engineered it. Um, the interesting thing, a couple things I'd say. Number one, we did get almost a Jameis Winston experience, if not an outright one, oh, the this past half? weekend in the yeah. second half. I mean, it's three touchdowns, one, three picks, the other. Uh, but you survive it because of the defensive effort and how they turned in an, an incredible effort against a beat-up offensive line for the Packers. And that's where my hope would reside for a week and a half from now is it's two correct. backup tackles for the Chiefs. Okay. Well, that, I mean, like, you've got to find some other BS outside of 
their talent advantage against your, you know, whatever talent you have in order to create a path to holding them to 28 to 31 points. Not having either of their starting tackles is a good place to start. A family-owned and operated dealership truly matters when you're buying a truck or a car. That's what you get with our friends at Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford on Dale Mabry Highway. Much more than just amazing prices and a nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. Our friend, General Manager Sean Sullivan, he's ready to work with you, the Scuttlebucks listeners, personally in any way that he can. That includes service and their body shop. Go see him today or visit him at BillCurryFord.com. You can get Sean Sullivan's email when you go to the website. Ask him anything you want about buying or leasing a Ford truck or SUV. SUV, excuse me. Uh, and he'll write you back. We promise. That's BillCurryFord.com. Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFan.com. Going to join us next. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. You're damn right. There it is. We're still doing this. We're still talking about the Bucks, everybody. We're still having conversations about the currently still playing Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours this week. I said, you want to go golfing over the weekend? He said, yeah. And he said, what day? I said, I don't care. Sunday's fine. The Bucks are on a bye week. <laughs> it's just amazing to think Be able about. to say that. Just to say it aloud, man. We're still talking about the Bucks. Uh, there are fan bases throughout the uh, National Football League that are lamenting their demise whenever it was, but this ain't one of them. Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website, joins us right now. Good afternoon, Lee. I think it's uh, a pleasure to hear your voice yet again, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Not too many people say that, but I know where you're coming from. It means the Bucks are still alive, and and I heard the banter between you and Tom on the intro, and, and it's so apropos. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe, number one. And number two, um, I wrote a draft story this week, either this week or, or over the week. Yeah, it was this week. And in the story, I mentioned how um, surreal that was, that it might have been the second draft story for 2021 I've written. And generally... During the last decade, I had written maybe a dozen before Halloween every year. <laughs> yeah, it was probably it pretty was so, easy to do. You know, I was thinking to myself, how cool is that that I don't have a huge interest in the Senior Bowl? I am not even concerned about the draft right now because or free agency because the Bucks are still alive. You know, Lee, you wrote a story for the website, JoeBucksFan.com, about Indomitian Sue, and he talked about how, you know, they struggled against Kansas City in that first matchup and um, getting off to a you know 17 to nothing lead to the Chiefs and how it was an uphill battle from there. He kind of seems emblematic, really, of this run when you think about it. Some of the good decisions that the Bucks front office has made, Jason Light has made, where it was iffy. You were a little uncertain because he's made some poor ones, and mm -hmm. we can bring up Swaggy Baker again and the rest of those guys. But 
there were always guys that you're like, I don't know, does he have anything left in the tank? Does he care? Do we hold on to him? What do we do with Jason Pierre-Paul? I mean, he's got half a hand. I mean, are we going to hold on to this guy? What's going on after the accident? And, you know, all these moments in time where you could have gone another way. But Indomitian Sue and saying yes to him and keeping him aboard has been vital to their success. Not the most vital piece, but a vital piece. Really, it seems like all the pieces of the puzzle fit into place in just the right way. The biggest being, obviously, Tom Brady. It's a it's a franchise celebration right now. I know the fans we're all hugging each other, but boy, they got to be proud of themselves. They've really made some critically good decisions um, that could have gone either way. Yeah, and you're right. The decisions weren't necessarily made this year; they were made last year, mm-hmm. two years ago, three years ago. Uh, and you bring up JPP, and JPP is an interesting point. I don't. I don't think Jason Light will mind me saying this. I was talking to him about JPP after he had his car accident. And, you know, it was kind of iffy to be polite that he was going to come back physically or if the Bucks even wanted to take the chance, take the risk of bringing him back uh, because there's a lot of money on the line. And, and uh, you know, I asked Jason, I was like, well, what are you going to do with JPP? I mean, are you going to cut bait? Uh, is he going to come back? What kind of, what kind of condition is he going to be in? What are you hearing from the doctors? And he took a, I mean, like a huge, deep breath, had a big, long sigh, and I can't remember his, what exactly he told me about something along the lines of, we're banking on his heart. And I'm like, man, that's a high wire act you're taking because of his salary. And they played it perfectly. They played it perfectly. And, uh, you know, you can make an argument maybe they're not in the position they currently are in without JPP. Mm-hmm. You could make that argument uh, because the Packers game turned out to be very, very close. And he got a couple key stats. So you can make that argument that maybe the Bucks are not here if the Bucks didn't bank, on, I'm using just nice words, on JPP's heart. Well, and he's got the heart of the line. There's no doubt about it. So all kinds of, you know, smaller Smaller than Brady, of course. Smaller decisions, yet important decisions, sort of high wire act decisions that turned out in their favor. That they that their decision proved out to be correct, and that's why they're at are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I have to admit, you know, this has been fodder uh, for great debate, even amongst the most astute and insightful Bucks fans. There was. Uh, there was room for debate about yay or nay on a couple of these guys. Yay or nay mm-hmm. on making a decision to turn your back on this guy and to welcome this guy or to start anew. Um, you know, lest we forget, it seems now like it was a foregone conclusion, but it was understandably debated. Do you turn your back on a kid who just threw for over 5,000 yards and led the league in passing? Yes, the interceptions mm-hmm. were the first thing out of folks' mouth, but there was undeniable skill there, and you had to know that you were getting a good version of Brady, not a version that looked at the time that they played their final game in New England beaten down and weak-armed, that you were going to get the guy that you had seen a previous years that uh, maybe was just demoralized and cold because he had no weapons. So all of these things, which we now look back on and say, well, that was an easy decision, none of them really were. And so I give credit to Jason Light. I give credit to the organization. Listen, they've taken their fair share of criticism, and oftentimes rightfully so. That's why you mm-hmm. got to give them love when they get it right. And here we are, the talk of the town, going to the Super Bowl. And it's, um, you know, 
we, we've had such a wonderful dialogue since we've started this podcast for some time now. And most of the time we're talking about why can't the Bucks do this? Why is it that this late in the season we're always the ones on the outside looking in? I, I have not let this go by week to week, game to game, moment to moment, debate to the debate. I, I, I've not let it go by without a, a sincere sense of appreciation. Do you get that sense down in Tampa right now or is it all just still euphoria? Uh, it's euphoria, but people people do appreciate where we're at. Just what we were talking about earlier. I was like, do you believe? You know, we haven't talked about the draft yet. Do you believe we're still alive? And and uh, I, I think there's a deep appreciation Bucks fans have. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. And I joke with Jason Light about this. Uh, you know, he 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 was critical of me too, and I I understand that. And he thought we were too negative. You know, we get that a lot from fans. Hold up, as a Jason, this. Fan bases has got post-traumatic stress disorder. Everything that can go wrong has go wrong for the, has gone wrong for the last decade. We're we're not used to this. We're expecting negative things to happen. We're expecting losing. We're expecting choking. This is a new experience for so many people. You know, give us a break a little bit. You know, yeah. And uh, and I, I I think a lot of fans share what I share. You're you're expecting the worst because. You're conditioned to expect the worst, and now people are expecting the best, and it's great, and it's a, a new, new experience, new feeling, new you know, learning something new, and uh, so yeah, it's pretty hilarious in that respect. I have a money question for you, Lee. Next week we'll break down the game, and we'll be a little bit closer at the strategies okay. and what the players are saying and so all that. But I'm kind of curious when the Bucks signed Tom Brady. I had a friend, uh, a family member, uh, ask me, "What's the what's the break even point? What's successful uh, financially for the Bucks uh, when they make the investment in Brady and Gronk and do those things?" And I said, "Well, look, first of all, any owner of an NFL franchise gets cut a massive check for the TV revenue, no matter what. It's like a hundred million dollars, so mm-hmm. so you're going to make money. But this 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 year, they didn't get the impact that they would have gotten because of COVID. But what would you have considered?" at least in terms of on-the-field success and financial success to be above and beyond, uh, you know, that, that break-even point? What was it the Bucks had to do? Clearly, they've done it. They're in the Super Bowl. Well, the break-even point, it, it's, it's hard to put a finger on it this right. year, as you say, because of the pandemic. That throws everything off. But I think the success of the team, the winning, you know, every player has said, you know, this guy's taught us how to win. This guy's taught us how to prepare yourself to be a playoff team. And so in that respect, I, it's almost invaluable. I mean, yeah. I, I heard Devin White on a podcast with Will Compton and uh, Trevor Lewan, and he was talking about Brady said, okay, if you want to be a winner, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You're talented. You guys are talented. You can win. This is how you win. I don't know how you put a price tag on it. So, you know, obviously Brady's short-term but all these guys that are, are long-term, Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, and we can go on and on, you know, the building of Tr- Tristan Wirth. Guys that are going to be here for the long haul, it's something they just learned as young players, not as players in their 40s that are only going to be here a year or two longer. And so I don't know how you can put a price tag on that because that's something these guys are going to carry for the next decade, and that's going to reverberate with new players coming in new draft picks, new free agents. So I don't know how you put a value on that other than to say that's probably invaluable. Um, if, if there was no pandemic, obviously Brady would have put fans in the seats. 
Obviously, more people would have watched games. Obviously, more gear would have been sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people at the games means more parking revenue. Means more concession revenue. It's it, you know it, it it mushrooms from there. But as far as the team impact, it may be invaluable because again, the guys like Murphy Bunting, Devin White, Tristan Wirfs, they're going to carry the, the knowledge they got from having played with Brady. Brady and having one with Brady, they're going to carry that on for a decade. It's a perfect way to end our conversation for this week, Lee. Love it. Appreciate it. Be well. Enjoy it. I'll talk to you again next week. All right, man. Have a nice guy, time, guys, and thanks for having me on as always. Absolutely. Take care. Lee DeKipper, JoeBucksFan.com. Tom, funny we were just talking about it. Lee doesn't know what we were talking about before we had him on, so we were, we were talking about this, right? The, name the times in your lifetime. It may be, maybe this is the first one. Maybe this is the first time. Because I asked this question uh, in my golf show to Trey Jones. For people listening in the Tampa area don't know or wherever you're listening, I do a, a golf show on Sirius XM with the head golf coach at Florida State University. He's Coach Brooks Kepka and many other great players. Anyhow, I asked him one time because I get tired of hearing announcers say, well, he's just got to learn how to win or this will help him to learn how to win. Uh, I don't know. If I go out and shoot 65 and somebody else shot 63, I don't think I choked. I, uh, you know, I, I played winning golf. I just didn't win. So this can come in a lot of different ways. But I hear people say all the time, well, they don't know how to win. This guy will teach him how to win. I think it's true with Brady. I think it's absolutely true. Like, when was the last time you could pinpoint a guy and say, he's got the secret to winning? Above and beyond his ability. Like when you look at certain players, they're just transcendently great athletes, preternaturally great athletes. They can't be beaten because they're bigger, stronger, faster than 99.9% of the people they're playing against, let's say. But then there is the situation where you have a guy who is an outlier in every way. Tom Brady is not an incredible athlete. He is a obviously incredible all-time great quarterback. But he is a guy that has been to the Super Bowl now, you know, double digits. You're mm-hmm. talking about 11. You're talking about, you know, 10 times. You're talking about winning six, could be seven Super Bowls. There is something that you carry with you at that point, having been there, done that, and succeeded time and again into the locker room, right? Yeah. Okay. So what I'd say about that is he was taught how to win by the Patriots franchise. Right. He didn't have it like just magically. Where were his college titles? You know what I mean? Like he didn't come in and throw for four touchdowns a game when he relieved Drew Bledsoe way back in the day. Like that. Right. That's not what happened. He yeah, managed he, the offense. Why well, he he understood enough to know they had a great defense when he first took right. over. Yeah. He knew how to manage things. And and listen, he was beyond his years, given the lack of experience, for being able to manage the moment. That's fine. That's yeah. fair. But, like, learning how to win, I mean, if you look at his career arc and, like, when he took over the reins of helping them win, of being the reason Becoming they won, the reason they it won. wasn't instant. No. It wasn't instant no, for no, him. You're right. So he needed to learn a little bit. I, I think that learning how to win is all about preparation. Like, I can I tell too. you, yeah. at certain benchmarks I cleared, I'm sure it's the same for you and for anybody out there, whether you're a high school athlete or college athlete or somebody who, like, works out on the weekends and you're going to break your personal record. Correct. Right? Yeah. Going for a job. How do you break your personal record? You put yourself in the position over and over and over and over again. And sometimes you fail, and some and most of the time you fail. And then there's like one opportunity, one chance where it's like, oh, I've been here before. Don't do the same crap that you yeah. did before. First time I ever shot in the 70s in golf. I remember. Always on my home course, Landsbrook over Palm Harbor on the eighth hole. It's a really easy hole if you ever played the course. Super easy. I'd choke. I'd choke. You know, 10, 15 times in a row. Or if I didn't, I get to nine and then I choke there too. 
And at some point, you put yourself on the tee box enough. You're like, you're oh. like, enough is enough, right? Right. Or I prepare for a certain shot to help me in that moment. Brady teaching the Bucks how to win has been drawn back to, has been connected to the first bad practice, quote unquote, that they had. Yeah, Bruce and that's Arians been brought up. Story. Yeah. And he said it was a good practice, and Brady said not good enough. Yeah, they learned how to win through preparation back in preseason. It's not about something in the playoffs where he's like, okay, flip the switch, guys. It's not like that. No, what I think is beautiful, too, is that for as bad as he played in that second half, he really set the tone and made the whole thing possible by being utterly brilliant in the first half. He was the calming effect that they had to have on the road against a great Green Bay team, walking into Lambeau Field and being that sharp on third down, not just to continue drives, but making those plays and setting a tone, going right down the field and scoring first. Letting it be known that we're not intimidated, we're here to play, and you're going to have to rise to where we're at. That's all of that experience. That's all of that know-how. That's all of that intelligence. So, but you still have to shake off the jitters a little bit too, because I, I mean, Brady doesn't miss Evans if he's if something's not up. You know, like the one that right. goes off his hands, it's picked off, and yeah. like you still have to shake it off, even if you're the goat. Like, think about those first three third downs on the first drive where you score. That first throw is a great one. Evans has to make a hell of an adjustment and catch it just the right way in order to be able to come down with it. But it is a good throw. <laughs> of course it's a good throw. <laughs> but, you know, like Evans hasn't been in that situation before in, in the NFC Championship yeah. game in Lambeau, but he has to go make that catch. It's just I think it's about preparation over and over and over again. And, and I could even relate it to the other podcast I do for Joe Bolt's fan. In game five against the Islanders, the Lightning started gripping their sticks tight. They, they, they could see the magnitude mm-hmm of what they were about to do, which was get to the cup final. Because they, they lost in Game 7, most of these guys, in Game 7 the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of times. You could see the magnitude of the moment was starting to scare them. And then in 6, they did it again, but they got through it. And once they got past it, it was like, it was Katie like, bar the go. door, man. Yeah, now, because now they've gotten on. over their fears. Brady helps players clear their own self-fears. That's what he does, and he's a magic man. Not with his snake water, but just with his preparation. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get a whole show in. We're not going to get a whole show in without you taking a shot at the snake water. <laughs> we'll wrap up the Scuttlebucks in a moment. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Certainly been a lot of fun to sit here and talk about the Bucks trek to the Super Bowl and the ride wasn't always wasn't always smooth. You know, this has uh, been a weird kind of a, a strange season. You know, at one point, Tom, you and I were talking a lot about do we think they'll get there in time? Because we saw what the race was to, we saw what they were attempting to do, and they were treating the regular season as uh, a glorious practice session. Where along the way you'd get some wins enough to get into the playoffs, but the real goal wasn't on any given Sunday necessarily to do what was best for that day in the effort to win a game, but rather let's get a win along the way while filling, you know, figuring out percentages where the ball's got to go to, what formations work best for us, the times that we need to 
run on first down or throw on first down, play action, you know, how to better utilize Antonio Brown and all these other elements, you know, where does Gronk help the Bucks most as a blocker or as a receiver, all these different, which of the running backs can you count on? Because it was up and down for both guys quite a bit this year, right? Um, at some point you figured out, uh, unfortunately, Keyshawn Vaughn's not an option at any point in any game moving forward uh, because it's too big for him, right? And he'll, he, maybe he'll be fine. I like some things I saw earlier, but he's a young man. Uh, you know, just here and there, little things that you began to realize, oh, look at this, our young receiver's coming along. Scotty Miller's still a part of what we're doing here. Okay, got it. Looks like Brady and Evans are beginning to figure some things out. You know, Godwin going through the injuries, just so many things that we were dealing with, and it felt disjointed and frustrating because I think everybody could see that when they were right, they were really a problem for any defense in the National Football League. Like, you saw these pockets, these moments where they would overwhelm people on both sides of the ball. I was down at that uh, Chargers game. I took my son to that game. And we got down early, obviously, and then just overwhelming success. Right before the end of the half, you get the lucky break because of a stupidity on the part of the Chargers. You get the fumble. Next thing you know, you go in, you got hope, and you come out, and you just boat race them. You're just firing on all cylinders. You know, I, I also went down and, and, and saw the Bucks win with my youngest son late in the year. And I would see these moments where it's like, oh, man, they really do have too many weapons for most teams when they're not getting in their own way. And it was a race to get there on time, and they really did enter into that stretch of games that were all imminently winnable. You know, when you're playing the Falcons a couple times late in the year, that's beneficial. When you get that Detroit game, which is the annual we're going to beat your ass senseless Detroit game, uh, Tampa does that every year, did it with Jameis, did it with Tom, they, you know, this is a beautiful thing, you thought, all right, those will not be Paper Tiger wins. They're wins, sure, but how do you win them? Do you feel like we're getting into a rhythm? Do you see that they are beginning to develop a symbiotic relationship, that there is real synergy here? And the answer turned out to be yes, and that's why we went into Washington against a, a a very very good defense, and we had real good you know confidence that the Bucks were going to win that game. Didn't look like we thought it would look because some kid playing quarterback that nobody had ever heard of decided to have a great afternoon or evening, I should say, in Heineke. Um, but then you know we both felt really confident about the Saints game because Drew Brees has a pop gun arm and looked like he was a shot player, and the Bucks were getting better defensively. And you began to see like, okay, take it away from them. You know, just don't let the Saints defense beat you. And then there was this past weekend against Green Bay, where admittedly I thought Green Bay would win that game, but Vita Via comes back as we talked about earlier in the show, and suddenly the Bucks get that force back in the middle that allows the edges to really really thrive, and um, and they get the win. So. It, it, the, the race was to try to come together at all at the right points, and it, it happened. It, it worked out. It's been bumpy but fun. It did, but I think the interesting thing here is you've gotten to the Super Bowl and you've played three good halves of offensive football in the six halves of, of games you've seen. Brady was otherworldly against Washington, needed every bit of it as it turned out to win that football game. I thought it was kind of a dud of a game against the Saints, which is a really good defense, but um, they were opportunistic, took advantage of the short fields. And uh, that's that. That's what won the day, plus timely defense. And the defense here bailed you out in the second half. I mean, Green Bay had like five or six chances to win sure, this football sure, game. Sure, yeah. The Bucks had four or five chances to close out the football game before they finally did. You know, if Evans makes the catch on the throw down the middle that 
Brady didn't hit him on, and or if Evans doesn't drop the previous one, or you don't have a Godwin drop, any of these plays happen. The Bucks go up by too much into the late third, early fourth quarter that it's over. It ended up being really, really close. And maybe it's a chance for the defense in hindsight to prove to itself that it can close out a game. Because on two this of the is turnovers, chance. well, on two of the turnovers, you force three and out. Yeah. And, and you get a well, sack on the quarterback. The game. Yeah, it changes the game. And they were brilliant in the red zone again. I just, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that the offensive pattern um, is a little bit different than it has been for since the New Orleans game. You know, when the Bucks play Kansas City, you learned on defense what to do and what not to do. It doesn't mean you can stop Kansas City. And I know we'll get into this next week. Uh, you can't stop them completely, but you might be able to hold them to three a couple of times. And that might be enough. Uh, it's just that the offense has been a little bit up and down. Brady of the first half in this past game Unreal. was unbelievable. And can I also say, too, that whoever is devising some of these plays has been a mastermind. If you think about the Gronk screen, where it's a fake screen to the left, come back to the Scotty, other way, you come yeah. back the other way. You have blockers and escorts. There's a screen to Godwin on third and eleven or thirteen, whatever it is. Yeah, great. Now play. Godwin has to cut back to the left to finish the job, but you're talking about setting a defense up beautifully. There's also another Godwin throw that's essentially a goal line action near the middle of the mm -hmm, field, mm -hmm. where he motions in left to right to be a blocker. Yes, yeah, he releases. He's wide open. Yes, yeah, delayed release. It's beautiful. It looks just like a goal line play for the second tight end, right? Like, there are a lot of these elements. I'm like, oh, man, they've got something for you. I mean, the Scotty Miller plays an easy one. That's an e that's not like anything go. creative. It's yeah. just a go, and, and he's given leverage, which was unbelievable. But the make no mistake, the Bucks' offense won that game in situations uh, against Green Bay. They Time won it again. in situations against New Orleans. You're going to have to win it 20-20 to 20 against Kansas City. You're going to have to go up and down the field. And Kansas City's defense is not the pits of the world. It's okay. So they're going to kind of, they're going to have to look much more like the Washington offense and less like they have the last two games. You have to continue to play really good in the red zone against Kansas City, make them try to settle for some field goals the way that you did with Green Bay. Obviously, the inexplicable decision at the end of the Green Bay game is one that we'll always laugh about. But, uh, hey, listen, that was all brought about by the fact that they didn't get a single yard on first down, second down, third down once they got to the eight. Now, they also chose to attack the end zone those three plays but you made plays so you know they, they got to continue to get that hey one thing to note and we're getting ready to sign off but you know it can't go overlooked we talk about all the things that had to go right all the signings that had to go the way that you had hoped they would right there were some of those you just weren't sure or or to re-sign guys or extend guys you know and i brought it up last segment with indomic and sue we talked about jpp ryan Suckup. Mm -hmm. there oh, it yeah. is baby we finally found a guy we we have been searching lost in the darkness for years on end devastatingly so i mean the, the record looks a lot better in each of the last three years if somebody could make a routine kick yeah. a 36 yarder you know in the second quarter anything that's a massive kick he makes to put us oh, in that game. and he made it look easy for more than just the obvious reasons of the playoff and the magnitude the offense had, I mean, they were moving the ball, and then it was almost like, ah, screw it. Let's yeah. just kick the field goal. Right. It got weird. They were moving the ball, and it's not to, you know, to give them a 33 yarder that they settled 46 on. 46 yarder. It's 46. And it's, it's 46. Dead. It's piped. It is. Well, and there's just so many little things. And that's this is the fun of watching a team every game, and, and you see the incremental growth or the callbacks. Like the Scotty touchdown is a total callback to the game against the Raiders. Remember the throw that Brady made to the back left corner of the end zone mm -hmm. to Scotty, and you're mm -hmm. like, oh. Why would you need Antonio Brown? Look at this. Well, that's what that was. And then you look at uh, Cameron Brait. Some of the moves you make are, are the, the ones that you don't, or some of the best moves that happen, the ones you don't make. 
And O.J. Howard going down, you never could have predicted. It's a good thing Cam Brait was still on the roster. We were talking in the preseason about unloading one of the three tight ends. You're too loaded at the position free up some cap space. Well, it's a damn good thing that Cam Brait's been available. He's been a touchdown or first down machine in the playoffs. Really reliable in the biggest moments. He's physically tough. He's smart. He's a hard worker. He's a guy that leads by example. He's had entire games, Tom, where he was one of the reasons we won the game. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now Brady, there's something about Cam Brait, too. Brady's that much more accurate with Cam, but Cam hasn't shown anything in the way of uh, timidness and how he catches the football. Like, Tyler Johnson's been up and down, right? Like he made another great catch in this game against yes, Green Bay, but he had a wide open drop too. And you're, Tyler, you got to make that catch. You got to do that, man. <laughs> yeah, Braid hasn't given you that, which is just huge. And then also Leonard Fournette. Listen, man, I still believe Rojo is the better running back. My the biggest thing I was shocked about this past weekend was how tough Green Bay was against the run. They knew what the scout was. You can run on us. They actually dominated the Bucks at the point of attack on called runs. The Leonard touchdown as, is a broken play. As did we on them. Uh, Agreed. It was, yeah, but both sides eliminated we were supposed the run. To. Yeah. Well, and, and the problem is they had actually gotten better the last three weeks Green Bay had, and I had begun to get concerned about that, knowing they were a potential playoff matchup, a likely playoff matchup. So I had my fears going into this game that the running lanes would not be available. So good on Fournette to break a tackle, bounce, break another tackle, spin, break another tackle, and then show toughness to get into the end zone. But you never would have thought that we're able to run the ball okay against Washington, quite well against New Orleans. Very well and against New Orleans, yeah. Nothing against Green Bay. So that would be the thing I, I would imagine that the, the offense is focusing on. It's a two-headed monster, though, Tom. I don't think it changes anything. That you got to have both of those guys. Well, the, the problem is that neither one of them are complete running backs. So th th this is what we are. Ronald Jones hit the hole harder and faster he also can't catch a cold you know and that's and he you can't have him out there when you need a check down because he's going to drop it he just is going to drop right. it you cannot throw it to him so Leonard Fournette is a guy that has his flaws as well he doesn't run as hard he doesn't run behind his pads the way a big man should he can catch the ball he's not a good blocker when he's left in there to do so but he did run harder the last two weeks than he has most of this season the final thing I'd say good bad or indifferent um well two things Brady will still throw it 105 miles an hour to a check down. It doesn't down. matter if it's a check down or not. It doesn't matter. I'm glad he did it on fourth down before the half was over. Yeah. Bruce, okay, you're picking the right time to find your marbles because if you look at the way LaFleur coaching situations and Bruce did, how about that? Mm -hmm. Bruce out coaching a, another yeah. NFL coach in a situation like two minute in the beginning of a game, or I'm sorry, the first half or the second half. Beautiful. Well, we didn't see it against New Orleans, right? You got nervous about the way that game started in the second half. Correct. And I thought, oh, the adjustment Or the going for game. two for no yeah, damn yeah, reason no against reason, Washington. Right, yeah, all kinds of stuff. But we saw it last week. And, hey, listen, at this point, those guys are having a lot of fun. Why wouldn't you? You're doing a lot of things very well. Kudos to Todd Bowles. Got it right again here. Impressed. Very, 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 very impressive. Uh, good work out of you. Our thanks to Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com, of course, and Sean Sullivan, Bill Curry Ford. We always appreciate their support as well. And to all of you, there's still another one of these. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. We'll talk to you again next week. In the interim, fill your weekend up. Go to Bill Curry Ford, just a mile north of the stadium, and uh, you know, make it your Super Bowl precursor. A little gift for yourself. An F-150, there you go. go for it. There you go. Make it happen. Get a, get a cool pewter-looking one. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, pewter. Ford F-150. Put the red magnet on yeah, for the weekends. I Put like the flag it. on there. I, I like it. Go Bucks. We'll talk to you next week. Next week. Eight seconds. Seven seconds. Brady to throw. Throws a deep pass downfield. Got Scotty Miller in the open. Makes the catch. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Scotty Scooter Miller.
Puts it right on the spot. Box score with no time left. Or very little in the first half. 